Well, good morning, Grace Bible Church. And happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the room. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, who's going to be watching online, I'm sure. And uh, happy Mother's Day to my wife, who I left in Wyoming for this past week with our three kids alone by herself as I've been living it up here in Dallas since Wednesday. So I guess happy Mother's Day to me. <laughs> but uh, Hannah will tell you that it's all worth it. It's a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. It's a privilege to be presented to you as the senior pastor candidate, the sixth senior pastor here at Grace Bible Church. And the question that I want us to consider today, as you enter into this very unique time in the history of this church, the question I want to ask you is what makes a good pastor? As a man reflects on his ministry, as he looks back on what the Lord has accomplished, what will deem him successful? What makes a good pastor? What is the power of a preacher? And these are questions many of you have probably been asking as you've been reflecting on Andy's retirement, wondering who the next senior pastor is going to be. And so what makes a good pastor? Is it an impressive list of book deals? Is it an impressive building campaign? Is it record-breaking attendance numbers and financial? What is it that makes a good pastor? What is the power of a preacher? I want you to open your Bible up to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as we take a look and answer this question, what is the power of the preacher there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? We're going to take a look together at verses 1 through 5. And spoiler alert for you, as you're finding 1 Corinthians chapter 2, what we're going to see is that the power of the preacher is not what some might think. The power of the preacher is not in the book deal, big deals or the popularity or the extensive building campaigns. It's not about impressive numbers. The power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. The power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. There in the passage this morning on your outline, you can see we're going to look at two things. First, we're going to take a look at the preacher. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And second, we're going to take a look at the power in verses 2 and four through five. So let's take a, a look. Let me read for you first the passage and then we'll dig into the details together. First Corinthians two, verses one through five. Paul says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, as a bit of background there for you, we know from the book of Acts chapter 18 that Paul ministered in the city of Corinth for about a year and a half. 
And now about four years later, he's writing this letter, this book, to the church there in Corinth. He has heard that there are problems in the church, that there's divisions among them. In chapter one, we learn that the division there going on in Corinth, a lot of people were aligning themselves with the popular preachers of the day. Some said, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter. And so Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth to correct the problems there. And here in chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is going to use himself as a personal example to show that the power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. Notice again verse 1 as we take a look at number 1 on your outline, the preacher. Paul says there in verse 1, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. So once again, Paul is reflecting back on his year and a half ministry in the city of Corinth. And as Paul reflects back on his ministry there, notice he says, I did not come to you with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I did not come to you with eloquence or with human wisdom. In the first century Greco-Roman world, it was common for traveling teachers and preachers to go from city to city, and all of the traveling teachers and preachers knew that first impressions were vitally important. They wanted to put their best foot forward, and so they came with impressive rhetoric and keen wisdom. But Paul says, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom. Paul was a different kind of teacher. Now most scholars agree that the Apostle Paul here is being a bit ironic, he's being a bit sarcastic. You know sarcasm quite well here at Grace Bible Church. Andy is a master of sarcasm. It's one of the things we all love about him. Where is Andy? There he is. So when Paul says he came not with eloquence or human wisdom, I don't want you to take this too far. Paul is not claiming to be a mumbling, bumbling fool, right? We know that the Apostle Paul was highly skilled in rhetoric. He was an excellent debater. He was an intelligent man, a skilled theologian. He's not denying the fact that these things are important. So what is Paul saying here? When Paul says, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, what Paul is saying here is he is highlighting that the source of his power, what made his ministry successful there in Corinth, was not in himself. It was not in his rhetorical skill. It was not in his intellect. But the power of the preacher for the Apostle Paul was found somewhere else. Coming to Corinth and preaching a message about a crucified Messiah was not the way to attract a crowd. The power of the preacher is not in himself. Notice verse three, skip down to verse three. We'll come back to verse two in just a bit, but Paul continues this idea of the power of the preacher. He says, verse three, I came to you, notice this, in weakness with great fear and trembling. 
As he thinks about his ministry in Corinth, Paul says, I came to you with great weakness, with fear and trembling. Again, in Acts chapter 18, we get the details of what Paul's year and a half ministry in Corinth was like. It was filled with conflict. Acts 18 18 tells us that Paul was opposed and reviled when he was there. He had to leave the synagogue. He was attacked and dragged into court. One of his companions, a man by the name of Sosthenes, had been caught and beaten. And all of these things led Paul to a place of fear, weakness, trembling, But again, what I want you to see here, number one on your outline, when Paul reflects back on his ministry in Corinth, he's not denying the fact that skilled oratory, articulate theology, he's not saying that these things are unimportant. He's just saying that that's not where the power is. Rather, the source of Paul's power comes from somewhere else and to Look at that, I want you to look at number two on your outline, the source of Paul's power. Let me read for you verse two here in 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, as we look now at the power, Paul says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Crucified. Paul made the deliberate decision when he was in Corinth that he was going to focus on one subject and one subject alone, and that is Jesus and Jesus crucified. And I promise you, in a city like Corinth, this would have been an unpopular message. If you were trying to attract a crowd, Skilled preachers and rhetoricians of that day would not have preached a message of a crucified Messiah. The crucifixion idea was regarded as so horrible, so revolting, so degrading, you didn't even mention it in polite society. Unfortunately, we're seeing more and more of that in the church today. It's unpopular to preach on the cross. It's not the way to attract a large crowd. We too, at times, have lost our focus on the cross of Jesus. Instead, many churches today are centered on feel-good messages from celebrity pastors who are simply trying to draw a large following. But Paul is a different kind of preacher. So what is the power of the preacher? If it's not persuasive rhetoric or keen intellect, then what is the power of the preacher? We see it right here. Paul's message, what he proclaimed, was Christ and Christ crucified. Just a few weeks ago, Andy preached on Romans 1, 16 and 17. The power of the gospel. This is the only message that can take people from death to life. And I know that this sounds so simple, because it should be, but it's a message that's unfortunately leaving from many churches. It's amazing how many times people in ministry, people in the church can forget this message, that the power of the preacher is in the proclamation of the gospel, first and foremost. 
One of the things you'll learn about me is that I make no assumptions when it comes to the gospel. Just because we're all sitting here in a church, I'm not going to make any assumptions about that. This message, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus' death and resurrection and how by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, how God forgives us of our sins and takes us from death to life, this message never gets old. We need to hear it every day. So if you listen to nothing else that I say here this morning, I want you to hear this. That right where you are, right where you're seated, God is inviting you to believe this message, to believe, to trust in his son. The bad news is that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, that we all deserve eternal separation from him. And I know that's not a popular message today. But the beauty of the gospel, the power of the gospel is that God sent his son to die on the cross as the payment for our sin and by faith alone in Jesus alone we're forgiven. That is good news. That is the power of the preacher. Notice verses four and five, Paul continues here. Paul continues to explain the power of the preacher by saying, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So what is the source of Paul's power? Notice again, it wasn't found in wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Despite Paul's weaknesses, his proclamation of the gospel demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit, when Paul uses this phrase, he's highlighting the fact that God uses people like Paul, people like you, people like you and me, broken vessels in the hands of the Lord to proclaim the gospel, an unpopular message, and yet the lives and the eternities of people in Corinth were changed forever. This is... The power of the preacher. And notice why. Notice why God works in this way. Notice verse five. He says, so that, here's the purpose. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The fact that God uses people like Paul The fact that God uses people like you and me to share the most powerful message the world has ever seen, a message of power, the fact that God uses us in our brokenness and changes lives because of it, this leaves no doubt in our minds who gets the glory. This too is something that's relevant for us today, by the way, something we need to remind ourselves of. Because far too often people go to different churches, not because the power of God is there, but because they're drawn to the personality of the preacher. And then when that preacher falls into sin, when his ministry is ruined, the people's faith is shattered because it did not rest in the power of God, but rather in human wisdom. I gotta tell you, the Spirit's power through the proclamation of the gospel is something that's truly amazing. In the last six years, as I've preached three times every weekend 
It's amazing to me that sometimes after I finished a sermon, in my pride, I thought, man, that was a great sermon. That was a home run. I totally hit it out of the park, and yet afterwards, no one says a word. No attaboys, no, hey, good sermon preacher, none of that, just nothing. And then there have been other times when I thought I preached the worst sermon ever delivered. And yet someone comes up with tears in their eyes. And somehow through something I said, the Spirit of God was at work. It touched their heart. And it's amazing to just step back and see what the Lord does. Now, for the record, that doesn't mean that I intentionally preach bad sermons just to give the Lord room to work. (laughs) But it's a reminder to me that the power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. The power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel in Corinth and in Dallas, Texas. It's confession time for me. In preparation for today, as I put my plan together to come to you and to be presented as the next senior pastor here at Grace Bible Church, in preparation for this day, I went online and I bought a new suit. Because there in my closet in Wyoming, I had an old suit. It was about four inches too big in the waist. And so I wanted to look good for you here this morning. I wanted to put my best foot forward. And so I went online to one of the online suit companies. And you take all your measurements, you send them your measurements, and they send you in the mail a custom-fitted suit. I also went online and I bought some new shoes and I bought a new belt. I wanted to look good. I wanted to be dressed to the nines. But God has a way of humbling a man. Because when I got the shoes, they were too big. When I got the belt, it was too small. And when I got the suit, it was two inches too big in the waist. It's embarrassing. All week long, I stressed out and I probably caused a lot of anxiety in my wife as I thought about what in the world am I going to do? I'm going to look like a clown on stage. But it was a good reminder to me that the power of the preacher is not in the suit. The power of the preacher is not in his appearance. The power of the preacher is not in his eloquence. The power of the preacher is not in his intellect. The power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. Now again, to be honest with you, I didn't let the Lord have the last laugh on that one because as soon as my plane landed here in Dallas, I went and I exchanged the shoes, I exchanged the belt, I found a tailor who brought in the waist, and I think I look pretty good for you this morning. So, (laughs) thank you. But let's talk about how to apply this passage. I'm here in front of you today to be presented as your next senior pastor. I'm honored by this invitation. In two weeks, I hope you vote. I hope you approve me to be your next senior pastor. But here's the point that I want you to see in this passage. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the man in the pulpit. To tell you the truth, at the end of the day, I'm just a regular guy. I'm a regular guy, a wife and three kids. I'm a regular guy who doesn't know how to buy a properly fitted suit. 
But praise be to God that God is in the business of taking regular men and regular women and doing his work to show us that the power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the, of, of the gospel, and he alone gets all the glory. Ten years ago, this very weekend, my wife and I, Hannah, graduated from uh, Dallas Seminary. At the time, Hannah and I had no idea what the Lord had in store with us. We served as a youth pastor in Oklahoma, an associate pastor at another church in Oklahoma, and for the last six years as the senior pastor in Wyoming. We've been through many ups and downs, highs and lows in ministry, but there's one thing I've learned, one thing that there is now no longer any doubt in my mind. The power of the preacher It's not in his homiletical articulation. The power of the preacher, it's not in his theological precision, as important as those things are. But the power of the preacher, what's truly gonna change people's lives is the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel of Christ and Christ crucified. And this message, that message, is what has made Grace Bible Church, Grace Bible Church. When I think about the five men who have stood in the pulpit in this church, S. Lewis Johnson, Dwight Pentecost, Bill Bryan, Mike Fisher, Andy Wildman, that message is the one thing that has united these men and this church together. And I promise you that is never gonna change. But this message is also for you. Again, it's not about the man in the pulpit. This message is also for you. You too have been commissioned. You too are an ambassador for Jesus. You too are called to proclaim Christ and Christ crucified. And outside of these walls, there is a world that is lost and broken and dying apart from this message. And God has you here, God has me here, God has us here for this purpose, to proclaim this message, a message that is foolishness to the world, but it's the only message that has the power to take people from death to life. What I want you to see as well here is that the power of the person in the pew is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. There on your outline on the back side, I've given you the four further study questions that you're used to, but there at the very bottom under Saturdays, I've given you a bit of an extra. One thing I do week in and week out in Wyoming is I give the church one thing, one thing, one application. If you have time for nothing else, here's what I'm asking you to do as a way to apply this passage this morning. I want you to spend some time reflecting and ask yourself, how and why do we tend to trust in ourselves rather than in the power of God when sharing this message about Jesus? And how does this passage address this particular sin in our life? Listen, Grace Bible Church, I am honored, excited, thrilled, humbled to be presented as the next senior pastor here. And if I'm honest, I'm coming to you in weakness with great fear and trembling because I do feel inadequate. I feel powerless. Who am I? I'm just a regular guy. But praise be to God 
But the power of the preacher is actually the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we do confess that far too often we try to find the power in ourselves. We confess that far too often we think that we can do the work of your ministry apart from the empowerment of your spirit. So forgive us. Help us, Father, by your spirit to truly depend on you. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, for his death and resurrection by which we are saved, a message you have entrusted to us to take into the world. Father, help us to remember that the power of the preacher, that the power of the person in the pew is actually the power of your Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the legacy, its history. Thank you for the legacy built on the message of Christ and Christ crucified. And I pray for Grace Bible Church as we move forward, as we enter into a time of transition, Andy's retirement, selection of a new pastor. Father, I pray that by your spirit you would encourage us, you would empower us to share this message, the only message that can truly save in a world that's becoming more and more hostile. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.